Welcome to the Inspire Preaching Podcast. I have something very special for you today. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am your host, Douglas Boyd, and normally you hear me teach or preach, but today we have a very special message. We have a very special message from a very special preacher. Today at Crossway Family Church, we had Reverend Ray Evers preach for us. And we are going to go to the live service and let you hear this awesome message from Pastor Ray Evers. So buckle up. And one last thing, if uh, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please consider subscribing to it. We're on iTunes, Spotify, just anywhere that you can find a podcast. And uh, But no further ado, we shall go to the live service with Pastor Ray Evers. Hey, you've got a wonderful pastor and his family. How many know that? I'll tell you what, they are wonderful people. The boards are wonderful people. Got a great pastor and first lady. Man, God has blessed you with some wonderful people. Would you stand with me as we look to the book of Ezekiel this morning, chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Got several verses. I don't normally read this many, but just stay with me. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Everybody say, very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Everybody say, prophesy. And say to these bones, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked and the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said unto me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came upon them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this great day, special day that we could come to your house and worship you and honor you. And so today, Lord, we look to you, our source and our help, and we know, God, you've got something special in mind for this local body. 
And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to be sensitive today to your word and to your spirit. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, I don't believe I have to tell you today that America needs a revival. I am um, very patriotic. I am a veteran. And um, I love America. I appreciate the way that God has blessed and used America through the years. We've sent missionaries all over the world. But how many know we need some missionaries now in America? Because we need revival. I have something on my heart today. I'm just going to shoot straight at you. I believe, even though things are not as we want to see it in America, that revival is possible. How many believe that? As a matter of fact, I'm going a little, little bit bolder than that. I'm going to say, I believe revival is coming. Somebody say amen. And I want to say one more statement that's pretty plain here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't settle for anything less than old-time Holy Ghost revival. Can you say amen to that? Now, if you've never really been in a major spirit-led revival, you may not understand, but I'm going to tell you, God can do incredible things in a revival atmosphere. And He can heal the sick. Let me know He can heal the sick. He can bring deliverance to the captive. Amen. Years ago, we were pastoring in Van Alstine, Texas, uh, you know, we, we were hanging in there. We, we was had a good little church there, and, and all of that. But uh, I had a had a friend that uh, called me from Mississippi, Mississippi, and he called me and he said, uh, "We're in trouble and we need some help." I said, "Get in the car, bring your family, come to our house." And so they came up and they stayed with us a few days, and then we got them a place to live, and they they got jobs and so forth. Uh, he was. He had a rough past. She had a rough past. And uh, anyway, they were worshiping with us, and God greatly used them while they were there. And uh, we began, the Lord spoke to me in a time of prayer alone, and uh, the Lord said, I want to do something special in this town and community. And I said, well, great, wonderful. He said, I want to use you also. And I said, well, I'm ready, Lord, whatever you want me to do. He said, I want you to stand, and I want you to take authority over the devil that has brought the drugs and alcohol to this town. And so I'm all by myself in a, in a time of prayer. And I stand up, and I, I said, now, devil, you are going to release your hold on this town and community in the name of Jesus. And when I did that, the Spirit of God fell on me, and I ran all over that building. And uh, the next uh, service we had, I stood up and I told the people exactly what I had heard and what I uh, had heard from God. And, and while I was telling them, uh, they were looking at me like, do you feel okay, Pastor? You, you, you're all right. I know we're gonna, we, we'll be all right. We'll have some good services. But they didn't understand what God was saying. And uh, it wasn't very long until I got a call on, on a Sunday night after service, and I I went to the the place where they they had called me, told me to go. I knocked over a beer trying to get close to a guy to talk to him, led him to the Lord, and he got saved. Amen. 
And then my friend that we brought from Mississippi began to work with people around him, and his home became a place where the drug addicts came and got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and were taught the Word of God. And I looked up one day in the church service, three sections uh, of seating, and one-third of those were filled with former drug addicts and alcoholics. I, I come by to tell you this morning that God is still in the business of sending major breakthrough revivals. How many believe that? Now, I want to tell you, the devil may think he's in control and he runs around town and there's drug addicts everywhere and, and alcoholics and so forth. And it seems like the churches are struggling. But I'm going to tell you, God is still on His throne and well able to do anything. Amen. And maybe I need to borrow a word from uh, uh, TV there from Jimmy Swaggard when he said, we need a heaven-sent, blood-bought, Christ-exalted, devil-chasing revival. How many believe we need that? I'm going to tell you that we need a revival. When we really have a revival, things will change. I'm telling you, the prayerless folks will start praying. The non-givers will start giving. Some folks will start showing up. Are you all still with me? Sleeping folks will wake up. The lukewarm folks will fire up. The disgruntled folks will make up. The sad folks will get glad. Somebody say amen. And somebody went on and said, and the gossipers will shut up. Amen. And the dry bones will shake up. And the true soldiers of the Lord will stand up. And we can have revival in our day. Amen. Hallelujah. The Scripture shows us here a story. Ezekiel is led by the Spirit of God and he's brought out there. The Spirit of God leads him to a place and it's a cemetery. It seems like it's, it's, a, it's a place where the army, there was a one-time army and now it's a place of dry bones. In other words, it's a place of used to be. Used to have revival. Used to be an army, used to do things for the kingdom of God, but no longer are able. And that's kind of a picture of our world today, and many churches is a picture of it. But I'm telling you, in these last days, this is our day. Amen. And I know that uh, many things are going on that I don't like, but I'm going to tell you, this is our day. Hear me today. This is a day I proclaim today is a day of Holy Ghost revival. All we have to do is get hungry for God, draw near to Him, and He said He'd draw near to us. He'll open. He'll make a way where there is no way. He'll get a hold of somebody's heart in life. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll track you down. Let me know He'll track you down. Now the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the last days. And the Scripture says, starting with verse 1 of the third chapter, this know also that in the last days perilous times are going to come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves and covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traded, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, he said, from such, turn away. Can you say amen? 
But I want to also tell you, uh, well, let me give you one more scripture. Second Thessalonians said in chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first. And then it goes on to say uh, that man of sin, the sin of perdition, be introduced. And we know that to be the Antichrist. But I also need to tell you, in the midst of a falling away, there is an old time pouring out of God's Spirit. God hadn't changed His mind. He's still the same yesterday and today and forever. The church began in a blaze of Pentecostal fire and God hasn't changed His mind. He's still pouring out that old time fire of God and is at work today. Somebody shout Amen. Amen. John the Baptist stood and he preached in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Somebody say amen. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost fire. Amen. And the Scripture tells us in the book of Acts, and starting with chapter 1 and verse 1, it says the former credits. Have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up? And after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments to the apostles and to whom he, to whom he had chosen to show, to whom he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with him, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which your Father has placed in His own power, but you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I want to tell you that He's talking about a power that is the same word that we get our dynamite from and so God is saying I'm going to give you some dynamite power for the last days Somebody, amen hallelujah you know the story on the day of Pentecost when the day of Pentecost was fully come chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. Somebody shout Amen. You know the story of how they come out of the upper room and they must have been staring and shouting. Years ago we went on a missionary trip went to Monterey, Mexico, and, and uh, my friend and um, a Spanish pastor went with me. He was my interpreter. And so I was preaching along there. I was preaching uh, the third church of that day that we preached, and I was preaching actually from these verses. And he was interpreting for me. And uh, I said, they come out of the upper room, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the Spirit of God moved upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance and I said, you know, they must have been staggering and, and so forth and all of a sudden people just started laughing all over the building I turned to my friend and he said, 
I added just a little bit. What he told them, he said, they come out of that upper room like a bunch of drunk Mexicans. That's, that's what he told them. It, they, they knew I didn't say it. <laughs> they, they came out of that upper room and the people thought they were intoxicated. They thought they'd been drinking. In verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto me to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember what Joel said? He prophesied about some things in the end time. He said, it shall come to pass. Somebody say, it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my servants and upon my... Will I pour out of my Spirit in those days and they're going to prophesy. He said in these last days, there's a falling away, but there is a pouring out. I'm here this morning to tell you that God is still in the business giving a real genuine Holy Ghost revival. Amen. It may not come like you think it should. It may not come with a guy with a suitcase or a briefcase. And it may not come that way. There, there was a time in our lives there in Paris, Texas, when, when uh, Sunday a later, lady showed up and we was worshiping, worshiping God. We're still in our older building there, not a very good location. Uh, the parking lot was horrible. The restrooms were horrible. Uh, you know, it, uh, those things don't matter to God, though. He may know that. The lady shows up, and uh, and we were worshiping God. And I looked over and I saw her, and I said, uh, "Ma'am, can I come pray for you?" And she said, "Sure." So I go over there and I lay my hands on her, and she falls out in the spirit. And uh, we go on with the service. What I didn't know is she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. What I didn't know is a lady who couldn't at this time speak English. You know, the service went on and finally she got up and we started trying to talk to her and she could not speak English. She was speaking in a different language. Every time we started to talk to her, every time she said something, it was a different language. And this went on for some time. And we finally, the service is over. Uh, she's sitting there on the floor and she's trying to talk to us. And we're looking at her wondering, what in the world are you trying to tell us? And uh, she had a relative there, then he figured it out, and he said, uh, I believe she's wanting us to get her mom and dad here. And she nodded, yes. She wanted to get her mom and dad to be there. So he went and got on the phone and woke them up. The dad had to go to work at Campbell Soup, and he had to be there at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they were already in bed, and they got, and they got them up. And they brought them to church on a Sunday night. They look at their daughter in the, sitting there on the floor and they come up to her they're looking at her wondering what in the world's going on here and why have we been called she starts trying to talk and can't speak English they are literally amazed and I mean they're trying to figure out what are we going to do with her this went on for some time I finally wondered reckon she can write in English she can't speak English can she write in English so I went and got her a notepad and gave her a pen and she wrote the reason this is happening 
talking to her family, said, the reason this is happening is God loves you. He's never give up on you. And He wants you to know how real He is and how much He loves you. Melted their hearts. They finally got her up. Next Sunday, though, Mom and Dad were there. Are you all still with me? And we were worshiping God, just kind of like we were doing this morning, the Spirit of God in the house. We were worshiping God. I looked and I saw that same hunger in Mom and Dad. And I walked over to Mom and I said, Ma'am, can I pray for you? And she said, You sure can. And I laid my hands on her and she, she fell out and was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And uh, so I went to Dad and I said, Can I pray for you? And he said, Yes. And same thing happened to him. He fell on the floor and the Spirit of God just began to move all over that place. I'm going to tell you, there was a major breakthrough. The, the dad gets up, we're worshiping, I'm praying for others, where the house is uh, being shaken by the power of God. He gets up and I run back over and pray for him the second time and he's out again. And we, we go ahead and we worship God and praise the Lord gets up and finally gets up and I run over there and pray for him the third time. And he fell out the third time. I want to tell you, God knows how to break down walls and barriers. God knows how to get people's attention. God knows how to set the captive free. And I'm going to tell you, there was a revival that started that week in our church. I'm not talking about a series of services, but I'm telling you, every time we came into that place, there was such a dynamic move of God and miraculous things took place because of the power of God. Amen. I talked to a lady uh, last week, we were preaching in Bonham and had had lunch, and uh, the lady was sitting there and she told me, "I got healed from cancer in a revival at your church." Come, on, come on, somebody, help me out. I want to tell you, he's got all power and he's got all authority. Somebody say, "Amen." amen. We need his presence. We need his power, and there's no situation that he can't change. Amen. There's no addiction He can't free you from. There's no bondage that He can't break. There's no captive that He can't... Are you all still with me? There's no captive He can't set free. There is no depression He can't lift you out of. There is no emptiness that He can't feel. There's no fear that He can't remove. There's no giant that He can't slay. There's no hate that He can't turn into... Love. There's no insult that he can't turn into a praise report. Amen. He knows how. And there's no junk that he can't remove out of your life. And there's no kin that he can't save. There's no low that he can't turn into a high. My God is that kind of a God. Somebody say amen. There's no marriage he can't put back together. There's no nerves he can't calm and solve. There's no problems he can't solve. This God that I serve. Amen. Okay, now after all of that introduction, back to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's walking around there looking, looking at the bones of what used to be an army, but no longer is an army. He sees death. You can no doubt sense it in the air. Death is everywhere. No life. Not only are they dry, but they're very dry. No possibility of life ever coming back in a situation like that. But I'm going to tell you, my God specializes in things thought impossible. He takes impossible situations and turns them around. And with His miraculous power and provision, makes a way where there is no way. Amen. Hallelujah.
we remember on our way to our first church when we was going along there and God made a way for us. We remember the provision that God made and the financial help that came from God. He's that kind of God. Somebody say amen. He said, look, look it over, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was looking it over. God wants him to know. No possibility of human hands changing things. Hello? No way but God can make a way. I remember when we were going to build our new building there at Pathway years ago. I was so excited. One of the best members we had came to me. A man. These people were followers of, of faith and the Hagans and, and uh, spoke faith all the time. He said, you don't have enough money to build a parking lot, let alone a church. Well, what can I say? He's right. We were believing God anyhow. Amen. And he and his family left the church because I was trying to believe God to help us build a new building. Are you listening to me? But about that time, one of the members of our church, I really hadn't spent that much time with, hey, I've got an electrical company, and uh, I want to invest in this new building. What I'm thinking about is giving 50000 He paid for all the electrical in the entire building and did all the labor. All of that was free. had a brother that was in the concrete, and he said, I'll do the concrete. We built that building. It was $28, listen to me, $28 a square foot. We built it, and, and God provided and made a way. I'm telling you, He knows how to make a way. Amen. He guided us with the companies. He helped us with people that were going to donate. God is well able. What we need to do is start looking again and believing God for the impossible. Amen. What do you see? I see death. And God says, speak to those bones. Amen. Speak to your problem. Speak to it. Don't let it just stand there. It may be death right now, but it's going to come alive. You may not have a situation, the situation that you want in your life, but speak to that situation and say, death, you're going to change life. You're coming. God is going to make a way and open the doors and help us and bless us. Somebody shout amen. Many bones and very dry. But God says, speak to your problem. And so He does. And then, he's, you know, we need to speak to the devil sometimes and tell him to get out of our life. And then we need to speak to our problems. Amen. Devil, hit the road. I believe my wife said that the other night. We need to tell the devil, hit the road. Release your hold. And he'll have to. Amen. It may look like death, but revival is coming. It may look hopeless, but revival is coming. It may not be here yet, but revival is coming. God is not a respecter of persons. Revival is coming. If somebody won't believe it, God will raise up somebody that will. Amen. He'll find somebody. It may be a small child or a teenager. He'll find somebody that will say, God, if you're wanting to do it, I'm available. I'm a part of it. I believe you. I'm going to trust you. You're going to make a way. Amen. Speak to the wind. That's a picture of prayer and worship in the Spirit of God. Speak to that. And so he does. He preaches at his problem. He preaches at his problem and he speaks life. You're coming alive. If ever anybody been around there and filmed that, 
they'd have thought this man is totally uh, out there. He'll never, he'll never see what he wants to see. But he was looking at those bones and saying, "Bones, you're going to live again. Army, you're going to stand again. You're going to have victory again." God's going to use this time and this place and God's going to help. Somebody shout amen. amen. He wants us to see He's a big God. We're the salt of the earth, the Bible says. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's then good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. But he said, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and place it on a, under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and to give light to all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. I've already said this, Pastor, and I've said it already uh, since I've been here. One of the best kept secrets in this town and community is this local church. Oh, you didn't hear me. Let me say it again. You didn't hear me. One of the best kept secrets in this town and community is this local church. This is a good church. Listen to me. This is a spirit-filled church. You've got wonderful leadership. You've got some things in place. And all you need is miraculous intervention from God. He can make a way where there is no way. He can touch somebody's heart that's got a nice facility somewhere and give it to you if He wants to. Or He can touch somebody's heart with some money that will give you some money to do whatever you want to do. God is well able. Somebody say, Amen. He is well, He's well able. And so we just got to be an instrument in His hands and everything else will be alright. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I've been doing some reading here lately. I've been reading about some revivals. And one of the revivals that I've been reading about is revival, the Welch Revival, early 1900s. And I was fascinated about this because... I was trying to see what caused this revival and how did you get a revival like this? Young preacher, not a very uh, strong preacher. He was he was very bashful, been backward through the years in school and quiet and a loner type, but he fell in love with the Lord. And in his time of prayer, he started asking God for divine help. And... Uh, he listened to a sermon one night and it, it just had an effect on him. And he and a, a friend of his were on the way home and he turned to his friend and said, do you believe that we could ask God for a hundred thousand souls and he'd give it to us? And the friend said, God can do anything. So two young men, not really a talented group, begin to pray and ask God give a revival to their nation and to their area that, that would save a minimum of 100,000 people. He would stand before the congregations when he preached and begin to evangelize and had a small band. And, and he stood before them and they... He had them to do four things. He said, I want you to confess before God every sin 
that's not been covered by the blood in your life. That you hadn't made things right, confess it to God. I want you to pray and ask God to help you remove anything that's not right in your life. He said, I want you to tell God, I'm totally surrendered to you. I'll do whatever the Spirit of God tells me to do. And the fourth thing is said, I want you to make a public confession. I want you to make it public. I want everybody to know that you're really saved living for God. He did that everywhere he went. The Lord began to deal with him and he added some more things that he felt like God wanted him to do. And he tells six keys to get a revival. Number one, have a passionate love for Jesus Christ. Number two, a deep repentance of sins. Number three, total surrender to God. Number four, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number five, corporate prayer. And everybody else praying. And number six, the speaker. Just a lead prayer. And focus on prayer. Those six things they focused on. God rewarded it. And they had a revival that swept the world. And over a hundred thousand people were saved during a revival that two young men who saw bones, who saw what used to be, who who were but it can't happen in our nation. Saw a major revival. I'm telling you that God is able to use a group of people like this that's in this building today, a pastor and his wife like you, God, and give a major revival to America. The Lord wouldn't let me get away from this. And so I've delivered my heart to you today. A year and a half ago, I was in a time of prayer. In my time of prayer, you know, we had we'd retired from pastoral ministry and we'd run a drug and alcohol uh, center for seven years, probably 400 people that had gone in and out through there. And we'd retired the second time. And I was kind of feeling sorry for myself and I was praying. Anybody ever been there besides me? And I said, Lord, I guess my preaching days are about over. And God said, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm going to use you as a spark to bring revival. So I come here today to try to be a spark to help you get an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. I, I want to say it again. Don't you settle for anything less than old-time revival. I'm telling you, God can shake the foundations of this town and community as well as nation. He knows how to get people's attention in Congress and in the White House, and He can get our attention in our house. Somebody say amen. I'm looking for some folks today. I'm, I'm lo looking for somebody that wants real revival. I'm looking for somebody that will say, I'll confess my sins. I'll get rid of anything in my life that He wants me to get rid of. I'm looking for somebody that will say, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. I'll say whatever you want me to say, and I'll use my voice. If that's you, if it's possible, I'm going to ask you to come and stand.
here in front with me. <laughs>